You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everybody and welcome to this very special episode of my first show. Why is it special? Because my guest is special. And yes, I have many special guests, but this one is someone that I adore both inside and out. She is a multi-hyphenate, uh, a writer, a screen actor, a stage actor, a producer, a musical theater aficionado, and someone that I've sang show tunes um, with late night. Um, it's so nice to have you here, my good pal, Shakina Nafak. Hello. Hi. Yay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Do you remember that night we sang show tunes? Of course, show tunes and Induo Girls, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> to the night. You're right. <laughs> It was, uh, I think, a little bit of Oklahoma Rent and Indigo Girls. Yeah, That's right. exactly. That's right. <laughs> um, oh Well, I have a million questions for you, but the first one that comes to mind is a simple one, which is, how are you and how are you doing? Well, thank you for asking. You know, I think that I am doing well, given all the circumstances. You know, I'm trying to harness as much positive creative affirming energy as I can around myself through my work and my relationships and just trying to, you know, keep the faith. Um, and yeah, that, that seems to be working, you know, against all odds, which is yeah. great. How are you? Oh, that's so nice. No one ever asks the host how she is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm safe. I'm actually spending uh, some time with my family right now. Um, and uh, I'm, uh, I haven't murdered any of them yet. So it's a win. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> Not heading to a Florida jail anytime soon. Um, and, uh, and I'm okay. I'm trying to stay positive. Um, I'm just trying to look to the future. You know, it, it's um, it's it's interesting to think about this moment. You know, we're in a period of COVID. We're in a period of racial reckoning. And you are an artist and an activist. That's how I think about you. And I'm, I'm really just curious how this moment now, compared to the moments you were spending pre-March 2020, mm -hmm. how has your activism and your art really changed? That's a great question. You know, I think 
um, I have a, a particular point of view having, having come of age as a queer youth artist in the 90s, um, which is that I, um, I've already kind of survived one plague, you know, mm-hmm. and so that's always informed my artistic practice. Uh, that that idea of like growing up in the shadow of HIV AIDS um, and like coming into yourself uh, as a sexual being, as a gendered being during that time, you know, for me um, really made me like aware of the conversations that we have to have, for example, around like, you know, like consent and protection and things like that, that are now part of like everyday social interaction. Yeah. And, um, and in the same way, you know, I've I, I've always been an, an activist, and for the majority of that activism, very early on in my teenage years, when I was working as a as a queer youth activist, I learned that you know no identity exists in a vacuum, and um, like justice is only you know sustainable if it's intersectional. And so, in this particular moment, I think I felt well suited at first to be out in the streets. Um, with like an urgent response and call to action. And, and that's where I just like threw myself. And then uh, as some opportunities became available to, um, you know, return to my creative work in a new socially distanced work from home way, I've been seeking ways to bring the issues that matter to me, you know, to those platforms, uh, whether it's you know, audio or visual or you know, any of the things that I'm trying to do artistically. So, yeah, um, in short, I'm just doing more of what I've always done harder mm. <laughs> in in harder <laughs> circumstances. You know what I mean? That's what I'm yeah. doing. So this is a show about firsts. Usually it's, it's about first shows, but since I have you on it <laughs> and, and you, you sort of spoke to it, can you tell me about your first activism? <laughs> what was the first political, wow. like, enriching, eye-opening moment for you? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, the timeline is blurry, but a few that I I really remember what was um, on sort of a on a on a global scale. Uh, I my participated in Hands Across America, which I think was in like the early eighties, <laughs> um, which I think was like to end homelessness or hunger. I'm not even sure what it was to end, but it was this. Yeah, this big thing about getting people to line up holding hands, which of course would never work now as a, <laughs> as a symbol of unity, but um, did work then. I must have been like four or five or six or wow. something. And then, um, and I remember um, going on a march to save a canyon in the neighborhood where I grew up, where they were going to and eventually did anyway build a toll road through this beautiful canyon in Laguna Beach, California. <laughs> and I also remember being really young and doing project angel food. Um, I mean, I must've been like seven maybe, um, with my older brother and my aunt was driving us around and my older brother and I would get out and bring Christmas dinners to people living at home with advanced HIV and AIDS uh, Mm. who couldn't get out and who didn't have people to cook for them. Um, yeah. So those were very formative experiences for me. Um, and all happened when I was really quite young. Yeah. And you had political, socially progressive parents? Oh, generations and generations. Yeah. Yeah. My great grandmother was like a union organizer in Chicago after she had immigrated from 
from Russia. She was a union organizer <laughs> um, in the factories, in the garment factories. And then um, my grandfather, the wonderful man who her daughter married, was a lawyer who did a lot of work to protect and defend the working people in California. And, and my mom has been an activist for young people in the juvenile justice system. And then I'm, you know, been, a, like I said, a, a queer activist uh, since, yeah, since I was a teenager. Yeah. So generations. As um, it's in your ancestry. Um, yeah, it's literally in my blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so is the theater. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, you you are now a writer, a a soon to be odd audibled writer. Yeah. Is that is that the right way to say it? Would I they, guess I like that. Have, I've been audibled. <laughs> an audibled writer. Um, you were, you know, and this is one of the many tragic stories of the pandemic and the way it had to stop theater in its tracks. But you were about to have your Williamstown debut as a playwright and um, with a beautiful, beautiful play that I've actually had the pleasure of reading. Um, and, you. It, you know, it, but it, it is seeing the light of day, or I guess it is hearing the light of day. Absolutely. So it will, shall be heard. Will you share a little bit about uh, Chonburi, the play, its development, and yeah. how we can all hear it soon? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to share it with you and with, with the world, really. Um, this play is called Chonburi International Hotel and Butterfly Club. And it is a largely autobiographical play uh, that's about the uh, unlikely community of um, mostly women and mostly trans women that um, I fell into and fell in love with during my time in Thailand while I was recovering from gender confirmation surgery. And uh, the, the character's journey is inspired by my journey. It's not like only my journey, but all the characters in the play are inspired by real people who I, who I also met on that journey. And um, it's really, yeah, like I said, it's a love letter to them. And it's a love letter to the American theater. It's written in the style of like a mid-century hotel comedy. Um, <laughs> but then like takes, you know, these sort of like contemporary departures. But uh, yeah. Like noises off or there like a lot of doors that open? Um, yeah, it's not so much a farce, but more like like stage door, you know, is really uh, like the, the yeah. one that I held up to was like, this is what I want to create, like the stage door. But instead of a bunch of actresses living in a hotel in Chelsea, it's a bunch of trans women <laughs> with uh, new pussies in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And it's true to life, right? It's yeah. Life. I mean, it's literally, you know, and I've shared it with people who've gone through the same experience. Some of the cast members are also um, in the Butterfly Club, like the actual, you know, we're all uh, sort of veterans of the same program, I guess you'd mm -hmm. say, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh it's uh it's amazing because they're like oh that was totally my experience i mean not the same people not the same conversations but the same kind of experience uh and that hotel lobby was a real magical place and the sisterhood that forms there during the time that you're going through the most vulnerable transformation of your life you know it's just really a remarkable uh community to to capture creatively and so this play was meant to premiere as you said at williamstown theater festival this summer and Mandy Greenfield had the brilliant idea when theater shut down to save the season by uh, moving it to Audible. So it's actually part of Williamstown Theater Festival's entire summer 2020 season, which will be recorded and released for Audible this fall. Um, 
I don't have a release date yet, but I know it's coming soon. They said late fall. So get ready for it. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for you to be audibled and for us to be audibled along with you. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be really crazy, uh, you know, because it sounds so beautiful and we recorded it, you know, 13 actors, nine of them trans, all recording from their own computers at home on like Amazon Chime with sound engineers and a a director. And, you know, it it just was the, the most unreal kind of production process to to salvage what we could of of the the energy of the show and it really does ring true in the recording so i'm mm. i'm really excited for it yeah yeah there's something about the art that was made during this time that is just relevant and 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 almost um inspired more fully by what we were all going through. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've heard yeah. a few, you know, some interviews with writers about the way that their plays have taken shape or movies that, or TV shows that have begun to get captured or certainly audio books and audio plays. Um, it's just, it, it all takes on such new meaning when you are literally isolated or going through something. And at the same time, you're reading text and reading lyrics about being isolation being isolated and going through something yeah and the ripple effect of of how this moment will affect the cultural production you know that that emanates from it i mean that'll take a long time before we really understand the thematic and technological you know interventions that covid19 forced upon us and Mm -hmm. and even though we're we're being innovative in, in front of the limitations that we that we face you know, there's all these things in the collective unconscious as we as we reel through this trauma together that are going to find its way into the work. And it, it'll be really interesting to look back on, you know, the the writings of the COVID years and what what yeah. COVID plays are, the way we talk about AIDS plays, you yeah. know. Totally, totally. Well, let's rewind to the pre-COVID days yes. <laughs> and maybe even to the, the pre-AIDS days, maybe not, um, to, to ask you, which is the, the same question I ask every guest um, when they come on the show, which is what was the first show you ever saw? So I, I put a lot in, of thought into this because, you know, truthfully, I'm not exactly sure, as I said, like the memory's a little foggy, but I think the first show I ever saw was a dinner theater production of Bye Bye Birdie Mm. in Long Beach, California, in or around Long Beach, California, with my grandparents and my mom and my aunt and my brother. I think that was the first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And, uh, all I really remember is like pelvic thrusts and girls (laughs) fainting, which is, you know, on brand. It is on brand. And it is, it is, it is, you know, 95% of what exists in when you put on Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. Um, um, and you are, let's just say, far from the first guest to cite Bye Bye Birdie as one really? of the first. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I must have been like five, you know, I was very, very young. But there was a dinner theater that my grandparents would take us to. Um, so I know that I saw. Bye Bye Birdie there. I saw The Music Man. I saw Brigadoon. Mm. I think there might have been one more. I think I saw Damn Yankees there as well. Oh, all the goodies. Yeah, that was like my my introductory education, you know, to the world of American musical theater. 
And were you like, I'm going to do this one day, perhaps with better costumes and (laughs) direction? I, I loved it. I loved it so much and I wanted to be a part of it. And I, I think I did, I didn't know I would do it one day, but I knew I wanted to do it one day. But even from that early of an age, there was like this disconnect, you know, as a young Mm -hmm. trans person, especially Mm -hmm. one who didn't have anywhere near that vocabulary to express that idea. There was already a disconnect of like, well, that couldn't actually ever be me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it was more like a longing, you know? I think, I think that like for the majority of my life, when I watched musical theater, it was, it was longing that I felt first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were seeing characters that you wished to be. Yeah. That I wished I could play, you know, that I wish I could be like seen as, or, or just in situations that I, that, that I would love to, to be in or singing notes that like, I wished I could reach, you know, especially after puberty, like mm-hmm. this very, uh, it's sort of like a dysphoric leap, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. which was why yeah. just yeah. like flipping the script and sort of saying, yeah. well, let me just like make myself my own protagonist yeah. in my work, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. whether that's manifest pussy or butterfly club, like a, a Hedwig style cabaret or a giant great American play, you know, like why not have a, like a punk rock trans mystic <laughs> central <laughs> character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's actually really funny to hear that. um, And that makes sense, right? That you're, you're a creator, and you understand the art form very well, and you know it. And so why not create for yourself? While you're, you know, while you're creating lots of things for yourself, why not create roles and plays for yourself? Yeah, don't dream it, be it, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was another hugely formative movie musical for me as a kid but don't dream it be it that's mm-hmm. just like so legit mm-hmm. do you remember when you first saw rocky horror How oh i was way too young i think i was in fifth grade <laughs> i was in fifth grade when i saw the the movie and, and then i think i was probably in sixth or seventh grade by the time i actually like snuck out and got to go see it in the theaters but i was yeah. way too young you yeah. know um, but weird. loved it and it was perfect and it saved my life. So who who's to say? I, I was always amazed at the youth outings to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I organized one for my temple youth group when I was like 15. <laughs> they rented I, a bus. That's when I went. I, I, I went. I went with my Jewish youth group. And <laughs> I, I remember like for years I was just skipping that outing for whatever reason. And then I finally saw it. And with friends and then was like, this is the most amazing movie on the planet. There's a youth group outing to go see it every year. I will be going next year. I would love to do a where are they now of the people who first saw Rocky Horror Picture Show (laughs) on their Temple Youth Group outing. I think that would be an incredible podcast sidestep for, you know, my first. I love it. I love it. A documentary style. Oh, my God. It's so genius. Um. What was the first show you were in? The first show I was in, I in third grade, I did a production of Jack in the Beanstalk, wherein <laughs> I played Jack. And then in sixth grade, I think, potentially seventh, I did um, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. 
and I was bottom. Those are like mm. my first two full-length plays mm-hmm. as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I don't know, um, and then I guess in my like new life, I did uh, the first production of One Woman Show was on my birthday when I turned 33 at Joe's Pub. Wow. Yeah. Which was really cool. And that was like, I had not performed on stage in over a decade and was like, you know, oh, that's not for me. That'll never be for me. I'll just go be a director. And then I started my transition and then I was like crowdfunding for the my gender confirmation and like created this show to raise the money and did the show at Joe's Pub. And then it's like, there I am. I'm on stage at Joe's Pub, like doing the thing that I always dreamt I might one day do. And wow. it's just kind of gone on from there. And that was the show that you took to North Carolina as well as a... Kind of. The, the way it all happened is I created one woman show that was like my first solo show. And I did that like leading up to my trip to Thailand. And then when I came back from Thailand and my whole world was rocked by that experience, obviously, I was like, I want to write a second show about that experience. So before I wrote Chambury International Hotel and Butterfly Club, I wrote a companion piece to one woman show called Post Stop. And I also performed that at Joe's Pub on the one year anniversary of my surgery. And then uh, I, I did it downtown a little while longer. And then uh, and then I was like, oh, wait, the, the real show is both the before and the after and during. And so um, I put One Woman Show and Post Op together, and that's what became Manifest Pussy. And the occasion to do that was when North Carolina introduced their anti-trans bathroom bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, I want to go on tour I want to go down there. Everyone's boycotting. Everyone's pulling out all, all the arts organizations. And I was like, I want to go there and just be in that space, like putting putting this stuff like in their faces and cheering on the people who are feeling attacked. And so I was like, well, I can't like go down and like do two shows and rep, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I guess I could, but that seemed like a lot of work. So I was like, now is the time to manifest pussy. And I put them together um, up at the O'Neill and uh, then went on the road wow. we did it at joe's pub for like a premiere show the night before we left on tour and then we went on tour to north carolina like in a in a van with the band you know? <laughs> um i think you're our first guest whose first professional gig was um was produced written <laughs> and starring themselves i mean i had you know like other plenty of other attempts along the way. And certainly as a director, I had other firsts before I had put myself in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like what? Well, I had like my first, the first uh, show I directed in New York City was a production of John Sood's, uh folk rock opera called The Disappearing Man that I directed in, in Cloud City, this warehouse in Brooklyn. And mm-hmm. it was like the coolest show that nobody saw. Like if you were one of the 200 <laughs> people that saw that show, it's like forever changed your life, but no one else knows. Right. And, uh, like it was so Brooklyn that like at one point it actually snowed through the roof, <laughs> through like a hole in the <laughs> roof uh, onto like a romantic train station scene. Um, and uh, and then in L.A., I had I, my first like big professional um, like debut show is this project I'm still working on called Junk, which is a, a mm. rock opera by the Swedish pop band Brainpool. I've been working with them for years and years, like on and off and sort of this epic concept album that keeps trying to find its way to the stage. 
But um, mm. yeah, I had been, you know, I had been uh, really self-identifying exclusively as a director for for over a decade um, and considered that to be my career path until uh, One Woman Show. And then I was yeah. like, wait a minute, I really like this. Do people <laughs> like this? Am I good enough to do this? Like, could I do? And then I booked Difficult People. And then I was like, now I'm going to be on TV? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and uh, yeah, now I'm like on an NBC sitcom. Like, I don't even know what that means. I you know. know. I don't know network, how that happened. On network television, right? Network television, a trans woman starring in a network sitcom <laughs> because it's 2020 and it's at least 20 years too late. But here we go. <laughs> Um, you can't see me, but there's a giant smile on my face. Hopefully you can hear it. My fists are in the air because <laughs> I'm shaking them with joy <laughs> for the fact that there is a network television show starring a trans woman. It is so delightful and perfect and wonderful. And you're right, 20 years late. But um, but it looks amazing. I watched a trailer um, can you tell us about connecting and, and what, whatever you yeah. can share? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first I'll say it's an ensemble comedy that I co-star in with a group of really brilliant actors who are also a very like diverse and eclectic group of humans. Um, and they're all hysterical and, and truly brilliant. And we have been creating this show in the world that we're all living in about the world that we're all living in. So in the midst of trying to just cope with the, chaos and insanity we're still like getting up at ridiculous hours to like put on our own makeup and set our own cameras up and set up film lights in our house and work with an art director to set decorate our apartments so that we can socially distance zoom shoot film on iphones a new network sitcom that feels just like every nbc sitcom that you've loved your entire life like it's so sitcom-y that you, but it's about the moment that we're in. I mean, it's, we, we start the show in March, just when the stay at home orders had dropped in Los Angeles and, uh, and, and go all the way through to like our present moment. And so everything that we've all experienced in the last few months is like the territory that we try to cover in this show as this group of friends meets for their weekly zoom call you know they used to have these family dinners uh once a week and when they couldn't anymore like everybody else in the country and the world we know we got on these zoom calls and tried to hang in there together and that's the basis of this show yeah that's amazing and i was really excited to see my dear pal parvesh china on (laughs) on it with you and then it it suddenly occurred to me that you've probably never met Parv. In no, person. I've never met anybody. <laughs> I've never met. I have met a single person that I work with. Yeah. Uh, I've met one PA who um, comes to my apartment every day at the end of shooting to pick up the phones that we shot on, wow. and the sound cards from the mic pack. But um, I've otherwise everybody that I'm on the show with, we've only met over like grainy Zoom calls. It's amazing because yeah. I had to do some ADR, which is for your listeners. ADR is when you have to like re-record audio that didn't quite match right. up or work well in the edit. So you get to see a clip of the show that's being edited, the episode that's being edited, and you have to sort of re-record your voice to match up. Yeah. And that was the first time that 
I saw like what everyone really looked like because it was like high def quality, you know? And I was like, oh my God, well, these people are gorgeous. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Parv gives the best hugs. So when you finally meet him in, in real life, you'll learn that. He's an amazing heart and soul and quite possibly the funniest human being on the planet. He developed um, a show called Found, uh, which is a musical I produced. Um several oh, years ago cool. he was oh, awesome we'll have, to, I'll have to talk to him about that please please yeah you know I I hope my prayer for the show is that people you know fall in love with these characters and 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 really do want to like ride out quarantine with us uh yeah and that will get to the point where the episode happens that these friends get to reunite and then I'll actually get to meet these actors that's like my dream yeah. I mean, that's a really good story arc. So a really good story arc. It would be so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've shot eight episodes so far and then we're kind of in the ellipses to see like, you know, what everyone thinks. Um, and uh, Thursday nights, you know, we got at least, we got eight in the can or yeah. we got six in the can and two more to shoot, honestly, in the next two weeks. Okay. Thursday nights yeah. is musty TV night. Isn't I'm it? literally on musty. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. I mean, what? what is time anymore and what are weeks, but it's still right. cool. Yeah. I know. I know. Okay. I'm smiling yet again. My fists are in the air with glee. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, you're, okay, you're on Musty TV. And to those, probably anyone who's under 30 may not know what we're referring to. <laughs> Sorry for you, but this was what was it like early early two thousands late nineties? I, I think it was like like mid to late nineties through the early two thousands because Musty wow. TV was like started. I mean, I remember it from high school and into college. Right? Yeah. It was Thursday friends. night primetime was and is the shit. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! On NBC? No. Less. On NBC. Yeah. 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 So yeah. your story I mean, of Monica is what is what we're learning today. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, I, like, am I a Monica or am I <laughs> a Phoebe or like, am I a Rachel? I'm not the, I like, I don't think, I think that um, OT is the Rachel. Like I'm pretty sure OT is the Rachel, uh-huh. but, um, but then like, Michelle and I uh, were like, well, who's going to be the Phoebe? Who's going to be? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll let the audience decide. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Oh but my it's God. cool. And the, and the character is so dope because I, you know, I get to the character was not written to be trans, but the way they auditioned the show, they like every character on the breakdown just said identifies as, you know, male or female depending. So uh, it was very open to, to anyone to audition. And, um, and this character, 
you know, once I came on, the first thing they did, Martin and Brendan did the show creators, they uh, they hired a trans writer for the writer's room, which is amazing and is, should be a must for anyone else doing something yeah. like this. Nothing about us without us. And that goes for like every identity mm. that they're trying to represent in the product. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, I've been able to say some things on, well, soon on network television that I, I don't know if they've ever been said on network television, uh, certainly not in a sitcom. I've never seen it. So I'm really excited to, you know, use the platform to, I don't know, become everyone's like trans best friend they didn't know they had so they can get over their bullshit and just vote Trump out of office. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We've got a few weeks. We can make that happen. We can, we can, um, nothing about us without us. I would like that to start to be chanted at the next several events and rallies, uh, everyone finds themselves at because that is a beautiful, beautiful statement. Yeah, I can't tell you who coined it, but I know that it it comes from, or at least that I learned it from, disability activism Mm -hmm. around the issue of representation um, because disabled actors, again, you know, are always losing parts to abled actors who take disabled roles and win awards for it. So it's very similar to the experience that trans folks have with casting. Um, And I think, you know, in in the broader conversation of representation, it's just like a really good motto. Yeah. God, that's great. If you could be in any show, anywhere, at any time, what would it be? Well, you know, I feel like if I could also have any talent, I might pick like a dance (laughs) musical that's out of my league right now. But honestly, you know, the thing, the candle that I want to keep lit is I want to be in Butterfly Club on Broadway. Mm. You know, I want my play to come back when theater comes back and I want to fill one of those theaters, you know, eight shows a week and have uh, nine trans actors on stage, you know, like I just I see it. And so I'm just like I'm holding that that uh, that candle. Um, I'm not going to let that dance uh, uh, show comment slip right by us, though. Sure, sure. Because um, yeah, so we can talk about dance musicals. <laughs> this is dream time, so there's no obstacles from yeah. the dream happening. So what? And we'll return to to your to your um, other Broadway dream. But what would the dance musical Broadway dream be? Gosh, I mean, probably a chorus line because it's it's my it's my ultimate I think I mean just you know what you know what it's subtle for I just want to learn the opening combination remember during the early part of lockdown when all the alums of the chorus line national tour and Broadway revival were showing like doing the kick kick yeah touch I again. think that I don't need to be in the show but right. I think that I would like to like take a, a master class in which that combination is being taught just to like know what it's like to yeah. have it to for your body to go through that those moves are so iconic and that music and the the energy behind it the hope and the expectation and the anticipation and the desperation oh it's just so charged I love it I love that combination I actually think you'd brilliantly perform tits and ass so <laughs> I mean, I think that it is really like Val is definitely trans in 2021 Absolutely. for anyone who's casting. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. So yeah, that'd be great. She's cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I could yeah. play, I could play Val. Why not? 
no, you could, you could really yeah. kill that. I certainly feel a whole lot more powerful after I got tits and ass. I gotta say, <laughs> I'm really, I'm only in the beginning. Actually, you know, this last past weekend, I took my first Zumba class with wow. my mom at the wow. JCC of Silicon Valley or wherever online. So my mom takes this JCC Zumba class and I took it with her. And my mom and I were on FaceTime while we like zoomed Zumba on the computer. And um, and I have these like mirrors on my, uh, you know, wardrobe cabinet. So I kind of like saw myself out of the corner of my eye. And I saw things like shaken that didn't shake before. <laughs> and I realized that that was like the first time I had danced since mm. having uh, all the, the uh, gender affirming body work that I had in the last year. Wow. And it was really great. I was like, this feels good. This looks good. I'm excited. I'm I'm actually you know, developing, well, I am not developing, but Kit Yan and Melissa Lee are developing this incredible musical called Misstep that mm. is about um, like a an early midlife trans woman who um, decides that she's going to connect with the spirit of her dead gay father by... Um, living his dreams to compete in the uh, aerobics dance competition. And so she becomes uh, an aerobics dance, like, I don't know, legend, you know, Mm. it's like sort of an underdog dance musical uh, (laughs) where a trans woman decides that she's going to win the eighties, you know, the eighties challenge of her dreams. Um, And it's really joyous and it's got some huge cardio numbers. So I'm, oh, wow. I'm really excited because wow. if that's still in the pipeline, she will be dancing on the Broadway. Yeah. 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 I mean, leave it to a JCC Zumba class to feel good about yourself. I love I that. Mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Zumba were, with Amy. She was great. You were, you were yeah. living your best septuagenarian there, life. There was a moment day. she got really, really into it at the end of the class. And, um, and her ponytail came out and she had this like long gray hair, like halfway down her back. And she was just like flipping her sweaty gray hair back and forth. And I was like, I love the JCC. <laughs> love it. I love, I, I love how honestly and authentically you wear your Judaism also. Like it's so like holy to who you are as, as an actor and as a person, it's, it's quite inspiring. Oh, that's cool to hear. Thank you. You know, I'm like, I always, I have a lot of trouble with that. Um, like I get in a lot of trouble with that, I should say, because I'm, I'm also like a very Christian woman and, and somewhat like Buddhist on the side. Mm -hmm. And so like, sometimes people want to try to take that away from me, you know, because like, uh, I can't, have my own belief system and worldview or whatever. Um, But it's just, it's really interesting that the the number of uh, times folks have like invalidated my Judaism and my Jewish heritage um, Mm. and my like Jewish spiritual identity because uh, of the breadth of my faith practice. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. But so I, I think I'm sort of unabashed about it because it's like, an important piece of who I am, but it's also not in any way the totality of who I am. Yeah. And, you know, that allows me to be a, maybe sort of casual and sometimes brazen or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. just part of it. 
And you know what? Zumba is a lot like um, quote unquote Israeli folk dancing that you might have done at like Jewish summer camp. Um, it's uh, I've, I've learned that that folk dancing is actually very like sort of pan Eastern European. But um, but Zumba is not unlike it. It's just that you're you know, it's like got sometimes they want to like uh, put some Latin rhythms in there. But yeah. some of those movements, I'm like, I'm just doing the grapevine that I did at uh, you know, summer camp. That's the same thing. I'm a grapevine and clap. You know, I'm going to step. I'm going to grapevine. I'm going to clap. And I'm going to burn some calories. We're doing what we can to stay in shape. Just get through it. That's what I'm saying. We're just trying to get through it. Exactly. Exactly. I I took water aerobics this morning. (laughs) And especially distance pool. So we're doing what we can. That sounds like a dream. It it was. was. I miss swimming. I haven't gone swimming since everything shut down. I really would love to be in water. I know it does. That's great. It does, it, it, yeah, the 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 virtual mikvah is very important whenever yeah. you can can do it. Absolutely, I'm all about a baptism or a mikvah any any time. It's funny. I talk about that in in manifest pussy. I have a line where I'm like, you know, I love ritual cleansings like mikvahs or baptisms, like whatever. Give it to me if it's a ritual cleansing. I'm in. <laughs> so there's a section of the show we don't tell the guests about. It's a bit of a surprise, uh-huh. but I think you're gonna like it. Okay. It is a lightning round. Lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> Where I put 30 seconds up on the clock. Okay. I list off the names of classic musicals. You give me the gut reaction, the one word, the two or three word gut reaction of what you think the emotional theme of that musical is. Oh, no. And by the okay. end, I see how close you and I are matched up. Oh, God. Okay, this sounds great. I hope I don't offend anyone. (laughs) All right. Putting our time on the clock. A chorus line. Hope. Wizard of Oz. Family. Falsettos. I already said family. Um, mm, Life. South Pacific. Racism. (laughs) Jesus Christ Superstar. Salvation. Into the Woods. Wisdom. La Caja Fall. Joy. Dream Girls. Passion. Mm, beautiful. Because I also already said family. So. <laughs> but isn't it interesting, the running theme that tends to, like, especially connected to who you are as a person? Sure. Family's important to you. Your family history obviously has a lot of meaning. Your love of theater and your early experiences were with your family. Yeah, and so yeah. you, you feel that and see that when, yeah, you're, for sure. when you're seeing musicals. And I love that. I just love. Uh, I just love the, the story of interdependence. Tell you know? me more. Tell me more. Well, I like. <clears throat> I like when people realize they need each other. Yeah. You know, I think I spent a lot of time trying to, not need anybody, mm-hmm. and, stepping into the vulnerability of, of, needing, and being needed, is, it's really important, part of evolving as a human being because that's kind of how you arrive to the the greatest expression of the the capacity of of your being if if you're not like actually allowing yourself to fully give and fully receive you know then you're just limiting your experience of life totally and god if there's anything anyone has realized in these last 6 months I imagine one of the things, the most important thing, is that you're 
meeting people. You rely on certain people, even if you don't see them, even if you can't touch them. Yeah. There is a reliance that we have on other people, and they are the most meaningful thing that we can hang on to mm-hmm. in the darkness. People who need people are the most luckiest people in the world. <laughs> in, the, in the world. In the world. Yeah. We all need each other right now. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say in some sick way, we're all actually lucky. We're not. But this is a pivotal moment in which we're faced with a a a, a big decision about yeah. how we want to reenter the world, you know, and yeah. what we want to bring, bring with us um, yeah. and what we're ready to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for that, we will hopefully rise from the ashes and be hopeful and find optimism. You are an incredible, incredible person that I am so grateful to know and so oh, grateful to have too. met. And yeah, so happy to connect with you in this yeah. way. It's been wonderful. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. People, people who need people. My First Show is produced by Josh Altman, MEP, Dory Berenstein, and Alan Seals, and is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode was edited by Derek Gunther. Special thanks to Leslie Papa and Whitney Holden-Gore at Vivacity Media Group. For more info about the podcast, visit bpn.fm backslash myfirstshow. Follow me on Instagram at Eva R. Price.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.